And so I, I was going to continue my series through David. We started in a series called David, the, the King That No One Saw Coming. And I, I did the first, se- the first message in the series last week. And I had my laptop open, ready to begin to prepare for um, week two. And I had it open and things were going crazy in the world. I had a TV screen on in the hospital that I was at. And I'm, I'm looking at the screen. I'm watching everything going on. I'm like, no, I cannot preach about David this coming Sunday. I just don't think it's appropriate. I think our, our consciousness is so filled with the thoughts of what's going on here in our world today. And so I'm preaching a message this morning titled, In the Grip of Fear. In the Grip of Fear. And that's kind of how it feels, doesn't it? Feels like our country is in the grip of fear. It's in the grip of panic. And maybe some of us here today, we, we at moments, at moments during this time, we can feel like our heart is in the grip of fear. And that's not a pleasant place to be in the grip of fear. It's not comfortable to be. Nobody likes being fearful, being anxious, and being worried. You know, in America, uh, fear and anxiety, the, the anxiety business is a big business in our world today because stats show us that 40 million people in America suffer from problems linked to anxiety. 40 million people in our country suffer from problems linked to anxiety. And that business is big business. Around $42 billion a year is spent on treatment for anxiety problems. $42 billion. That's probably more from the last time I I looked up that stat, which was a couple of years ago. And so this is a real problem. It's not just centered around COVID-19. This is not just this issue that causes fear and anxiety. There are many reasons. Let's think about our life. There's, there's, there's reasons that we are fearful. Think about our finances. And now, as a result of this virus, the stock market is just doing this. It's going up and it's going down. And, and, and you, you get it going up a little bit, but it hasn't still fully recovered from the initial dip. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on a 10% loss on my retirement account. Where are you at? Right? We're, and I, I looked at it and I thought, well, I probably shouldn't be looking at this because I, I, hopefully I've got a few more years to keep saving. But if you're later on in life and you're at retirement age and you looked at your account and you thought, I don't know if I have enough years to regain what I lost. What's going to happen? How can I afford to pay my bills? And so fear just doesn't, it's just not connected with getting sick because I think if we're rational and we think it through, if we look at the stats with COVID-19 compared to the flu, if we think it through, we realize that this sickness is not any worse than the flu. So, but, but as a result of what we're hearing, fear and anxiety can develop in our heart. You know, the increase of media is a positive thing. But the increase of media is a negative thing at the same time. It's a double-edged sword. Think about when before the internet existed and we would get information. You know, you had to get it like you would normally get it, right? Through the newspaper, or through the nightly news, You'd, you, you would watch the news at night. But now, on our tablets, on our smartphones, at, on every news outlet, on social media now, we are inundated with information. And that's both positive and negative. Think about previous times in your life whenever we're, maybe you're at a social gathering. Uh, currently, if you're at a social gathering, you're at least six feet apart. But you're at a social gathering, and you're talking about things, and someone has a question, and they say something like, do you remember when so-and-so was born? Or do you remember when this happened in history? And we're all sitting around, we're all talking. And, and then all of a sudden it hits one of us. We're like, oh, 
We can know in three seconds. We grab our phone from our back pocket and we do what? We Google it. Estelle told me that when she was in college, that her professor in college told her, there's this new thing out where people or students are researching and it's called Google. So there was actually a time when Google didn't exist, but now that is great access. I mean, that's positive, but on the flip side, it also can be extremely negative. All the information that we get, if we're not careful, it can cause grip to fear our heart in moments like this. An inundation of negativity and bad reports. And so this is where we're at. And for the believer, for us as believers in Jesus Christ, when we are gripped by fear, when we're gripped by fear, it can cause memory loss. When we're gripped by fear, it can cause us to forget who God is. When we're gripped by fear, it can cause us to forget what God's word says about our life. It can cause us to forget about God's faithfulness, about his sovereignty, about him being in control. It can cause us to forget who God is and cause us to forget the most important things in life. Now, I just want to say this, being being worried about our life from a position of our physical well-being is not a bad thing. It is not wrong for us to take precautions and to be careful. It's not wrong for us to be concerned about our life, but it is wrong for us to be overcome by fear. It is wrong for us to be so overcome by fear that we are paralyzed in our life from doing anything in our life. And so this is what I want to do here this morning. I believe that Scripture abundantly teaches us lessons about how to handle fear. And our Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, speaks abundantly clear about how we should handle fear, how we should think about our life. And he does it so beautifully in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. So what I want to do is, is I want us to stand up for the reading of God's word, and I'm going to read Matthew 6, 25 through 34. If you can stand, I welcome you to stand, and let's read God's word. This is God speaking to us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour To his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies. Look at the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you even Solomon in all of his glory. Was not arrayed like one of these. But if God. So clothes the grass of the field. Which today is alive. And tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you. O you of little faith. Therefore. Do not be anxious saying. What shall we eat, or or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God, thank you for your word. This is your word. And you speak clearly to us, and we thank you that you've spoken clearly to us in your word. And Lord, I ask that you'd help me today 
Help me to open my mouth. Help me to preach your word and help me to exalt Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So I see three reminders for us in this section in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus takes the subject of anxiety and fear. He takes it head on. And he gives us reasons why. He says, do not be anxious. He comes right out and says, don't be anxious about your life. And some of you think, well, Jesus, that's easier said than done today. It's easier said than done today in the, in the world that we're living. It's so easy now to think, well, let's just not be anxious. But, but it's difficult to actually walk out. And so I see three reminders here of what Jesus is telling us that will help us when we are struggling with fear and anxiety. And the first one is this, is that when we fear, it's easy to forget that God is in control. When we fear and we are gripped, when we're in the grip of fear and our heart is gripped by fear, it is easy for us to have memory loss and to forget that God is not off the throne. He's not caught by surprise. Just like Taylor was talking about. He's not caught by surprise trying to figure out. He's not scrambling right now in heaven. Oh, what am I going to do about the coronavirus? He is in control. But when we are gripped by fear, we can forget that that's who God is. That he's in control. That he's working a plan. Look what he says there in Matthew 6. Let's go back to it. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Why? Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious or being gripped by fear, can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about that for a second. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, which of you, or me, can add an hour to the length of our life by being worried about our life? He's saying it's not possible. It's not possible for you or for I to make our life any longer than God has designed it to be. And and you think, well, wait a minute. That can't be true. I've been working out every day for all these years, and I'm watching what I eat. and, And wait a minute, is that really true? Can I really not extend my life? Which of you, by worrying about your life, can add a single hour. Yes, bodily exercise benefits you. Yes, eating right benefits you. But, but is it worry? If you worry and you're anxious about your life, is that what's going to add to your life? No. Worrying about how long you're going to live and if this disease is going to get me and it's going to kill me or, or, or if I'm going to die from a car accident on Highway 311 or wherever I drive. If, if worrying about it could add anything to your life, all, a lot of us would live a lot longer lives, wouldn't we? But this is what Jesus is saying here. Being gripped by fear and allowing our heart to be gripped by fear will cause us to forget that our life is not our own. That our life does not belong to us. That God is in control. It is not wrong to have concern about your well-being or the well-being of your family, your friends, or of your country. but But it is wrong to allow ourselves to worry to the point of fear over things that we cannot control. We need to be reminded that God is in control. Listen to Hebrews 9, 27. Just as a way of reminder, you've heard this scripture before. And just as as it is appointed for what? For man to die. And then comes the judgment. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2 says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. So what do we see in scripture here? We have an appointment. How, how many of you have an appointment tomorrow for something? 
<laughs> Maybe not deaf, but we don't know that, do we? You have an appointment tomorrow. You got to be at, the, at this office. You got to be at this business. You got you an appointment for something with somebody. Scripture is telling us that there is a time to be born and there's a time to die. And Hebrews 9 tells us that it is appointed once for man to die. We all have a time that God has set in his understanding of when we will be born and of when we'll die. And it's in his control. Do you remember Psalms 139? I love Psalms 139. We're not going to read it, but Psalms 139 says that when we were in our mother's womb, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we were knit together in our mother's womb, in the, in the secrecy of our mother's womb, we were knit together. And it also says in Psalms 139 that all the days of our life were written even before they took shape. Wow. Every time I've read that, every time I think about that, I think, Lord, how many days you've written for me? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to die too soon, right? That's what we think. How many days you got for me, Lord? I want to love my kids longer. I want to love my wife longer. I want to pastor this church as long as you want me to. And sometimes you ever lay awake at night in your bed and you, and you think you're, you're gripped by fear about death. We all are from time to time. It'll grip our heart. But there's such a place of rest when we listen to the words of Jesus. Don't be anxious about your life. You can't add a second to your life by being anxious about how long you're going to live or, or if you're going to die before your time. None of you will die before the time that God has for you because God is in control of your life. We need to be reminded again and again, our life is not our own. God is our creator. He created me to exist right here, right now, in the middle of this technological age that is being threatened by a virus. He called me to live right here, right now. He called me to this time. And if he called me to this time, he has a plan for my life right here, right now. And I can't spend, listen, I can't spend, you can't spend your life being anxious about how you're going to remain alive. You can't spend your life being anxious about how you're going to remain alive. I must rest in the reality that God is in control and that he has my life. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a personal story for me and, and my wife. When Joel was just born in 2006, it was our first child. And Estelle had listened to a sermon by a preacher. I don't remember who the preacher was. It was uh, over 14, 14 years ago, over 14 years ago. And, and the preacher was talking in the context of those that work for the Lord, those that are in the ministry that are, are doing kingdom business. He, says, he said this, he said General, this general idea that if you're not careful, uh, you know, the enemy, you need to be on guard against the enemy because he will go after your children. And he will attack your children and he could possibly put sickness on your kids because you're working for the Lord. And so Estelle, you know, previously you could have heard that idea and we were in the ministry. I was an assistant pastor of the church that we were at at that time and we were in, in, in ministry but before you have kids, it doesn't really hit you very much when you hear a statement like that. But after you have kids, you're like, wait a minute, is that actually true? Can the devil put sickness on my children? And so she came to me as her husband, as her spiritual protector and provider and guide. And she says, Ben, what do you think about this? Is, is this true? Can the devil put sickness on Joel? That leaves me so unsettled. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a good answer. And I didn't like the answer that I gave her. I actually told her, well, yeah, that's true. That's, that's what we've been taught. And so what this type of, that type of theology gives 
to people, this idea that the devil is more powerful than God, is that you live a life of anxiousness and worry about what the devil's going to do. And you're looking for the devil all around the corner and you're worried, can the devil actually do this? Who's in control of you? So you start to wrestle with this idea. Who is more powerful? Is it the devil or is it God? And you can, and you can begin to believe that the devil and God are in a boxing match. And that the devil wins a victory and then God wins a victory. The devil wins a victory, then God wins a victory. That's not what the Bible says. God won a victory at the cross and it is once and for all done and completed. It's forever settled in heaven. He is forever ruling in heaven. The devil is not in a boxing match with God. God is more powerful than the devil. Any authority that the devil has in this life to bring evil and to bring pain and to bring hurt into people is only given to him by God. Think back to Genesis. God allowed Lucifer to come and attempt Adam and Eve. God allowed for evil in this world that we live in. That is a reality that we dwell in. And we don't always like that. We don't like that reality, but it is a reality that God has allowed in our world today. But God is above it. God is working his plan. God is in control. He is greater than the devil. He is greater than the coronavirus. He is our protector. He is our provider. And so when we say that God is in control, we're not saying that God causes evil or does evil. God does not cause evil or do evil. What we're saying is that evil doesn't deter his plan. Evil does not deter God. Evil does not cause God to have to alter his purposes. He takes all that happens and fits it into his already determined plan. Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are the called according to his purposes. This is the truth. We must be reminded. And when we're gripped by fear, we forget that God is in control. Even in the midst of an evil culture, even in the midst of a culture where the devil is running wild and doing evil in our world today, God is up and above it. He is over it. He is in control of this world. Psalms 47 says this about our God. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great king over what? All the earth. earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king over what? All the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God is in control. God sits on his holy throne. He reigns over all. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God of of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So when we're in the grip of fear... For anything in our life, we can be tempted to forget that God is in control. And this is the first thing that Jesus is trying to tell us in Matthew 6. You can't add a single hour to your span of life because because your life belongs to me. I gave you breath. I gave you life. You're mine. 
Secondly, thing we see here in Matthew chapter 6 is that when we fear, it's easy to forget that God is our source. So not, not only are we tempted in the middle of fear to forget that God is in control, but secondly, we are tempted to forget, it can be easy to forget that God is our source. And I love what the illustration Jesus gives us here in, in Matthew 6. Listen to this. He says to look at two things. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep, reap nor gather into barns. Yet your father feeds them. They don't plow, they don't work the ground, but your father feeds them. Then he says what? He says, look at the lilies. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Think about that. I love what Jesus says here. He says, if you're anxious about tomorrow, about your life, about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, how, how am I going to provide for my family? He says, I want you to look at two things. Look at the birds and look at the flowers. And you think, God, why would I want to look at birds and flowers? He says, because you need to think more deeply about birds and flowers. Think about how the birds in the sky They don't have to hunt for food. God shows them where the food is. He provides food for them. They don't have to go to work. They're not punching in and punching out. They don't have to go to work to try to provide food for themselves. God keeps the worms in the dirt for them. God God causes plants to grow for birds to eat. Look at the flowers. He says, look at the flowers of the field. They don't sow. I mean, they don't toil. They they, They don't spin and dress themselves and make themselves look beautiful. God takes care of them. He causes them to grow. Have you ever been anxious and worried and looked at creation? It's really not what we do, is it? What do we look at when we're anxious and worried about physical provisions? We go online and we look at our checking account. And we look at what's left in our 401k. And we look at the possibility that we might lose hours from our job. And there's many, this is a real reality for people here today because of this virus, that there are businesses that are, are thinking, well, what's going to happen? Are we going to lose hours? Are we going to be able to have hours for our employees? Are we going to be able to make our ends meet? And when you start looking, you start looking at the ledger, you start looking at the, 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 uh, the effects of this coming down the pipeline, and you start thinking, oh God, how is this going to work? What is going to happen? What did Jesus tell you to do? Look at the birds. Reagan, the other day, we were in my father-in-law's front yard. And she's scrambling, look at the birds, daddy. Look at the birds. You see the birds, daddy? And I'm just like, what birds, Reagan? And I was reminded of that as I was reading this text. Reagan was trying to get me to look at the birds. And so is Jesus. Trying to remind us that he takes care of the birds. And he says this powerful statement. He says, if I take care of the birds, and I feed them, and I clothe the flowers, how much more will I take care of you? When we're gripped by fear, we forget to look at the birds. And we forget to look at the flower. So, But here's the problem. Here, here's what happens with us. As God's premier creations. We're greater than birds and flowers. Some people don't like to hear that, but we really are. Greater than birds and dogs and especially cats. <laughs> I love my cat. I, I am a cat owner. I don't love my cat. That's, a, that's not true. I just lied to you. I tolerate my cat. That's a diva cat, I'll tell you that right now. We're greater than cats, dogs, birds. 
Why? Why? Because we're made in the image of God. We have the breath of life within us. We have a soul. And so here's what the problem is with us around this subject of God being our source and our daily provisions is that we think that we can provide for ourselves. That's where it gets difficult is that we live in a get or done society. We live in a society where you're just going to get it done. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make sure that I have everything that I need and, and, and it's in within my control. Then we get in circumstances like this and it's out of our control. And we're like, oh, I just can't change it. I just can't make it happen. And that's where the fear really begins to grip our heart because we're so used to being self-reliant. We're so used to not trusting in God for our daily provisions. We're so used to thinking that, that we don't need them. We would never say that, would we? Would you ever say that? God forbid you'd ever say that. But we live sometimes like it's true. That we don't really need you, God. I got it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to take care of myself. What is true about your life? What's true about your life is that the breath that you breathe today when you woke up this morning to come to church was the breath that God gave you. The intellect that you have to work on the job that you have is the intellect that God gave you. It all comes from him. And we need to be reminded during times of fear when fear grips our heart about, am I going to have toilet paper today? Because of all the people buying toilet paper. Am I going to have food for my family? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Are the people that are under me, that I'm responsible for, are they going to be able to pay their bills? When you're in those moments, you must be reminded, God, you woke me up today. Got breath in my lungs. God, you gave me a sound mind most of the time. You know, I say, I tell people sometimes I'm, I'm not crazy, or at least I don't think I am, <laughs> at least from my perspective. God, you gave this all to me. So if you gave me these things, then that means you got a plan. You're in control. This is not catching you by surprise. Help me to rely on you. Help me to look at the birds and the flowers and to remember that you are our provider. First Corinthians 4, 7 says this, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? That's powerful scripture right there, right? What do you have in your life that you did not receive? You know, everything we have was handed down to us from somewhere, someone. It was. You, we stand on the shoulders of somebody in our life. Grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles. Somewhere, some, somebody did something that has benefited us. What do we have that we did not receive? It first of all, all comes from God. Why would we boast as if we are self-made? This, this self-made, self-sufficient mindset gets us in trouble when we face situations that are out of our control to fix them. No matter what the stock market does, no matter how bad the financial markets look, God is my source. If he cares and provides for the flowers and the birds, how much more will he care and provide for me? The key to this idea I'm talking about right here is verse 32 in Matthew 6. Let's look at verse 32, Matthew 6. For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That's the key right there. Your heavenly Father loves you. He's your Father. He's not a God that's up in heaven that is just working his master plan and he's just sitting there watching it unfold and he's like, well, let's just see what happens. I, I, I pushed the first domino down at creation and it's just been going crazy ever since. I'm just watching it. No. 
Your heavenly father is engaged in your life and he cares about you. And that is the basis of our trusting in him for our provision. That's the basis. He is our father. And when I think about my earthly kids, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make sure they had food. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to make sure they were physically protected. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us in Matthew 6. Don't worry about your life. You can't, you can't add a single moment to your life by being anxious. And he says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I take care of them. And you are greater than them. And all of that is true because I am your father. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Which of you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil, speaking of me and you, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So think about it. Your heavenly Father is telling you here this morning, if you're struggling with fear about how you're going to be provided for, he's telling you here today, look at the flowers, look at the birds, and then ultimately look at me. I'm your Father. I'm going to take care of you. I will provide. And you don't have to worry or be fearful. You don't have to live under the grip of fear here today. You can leave it at the door today. Amen? I love this. I got to hurry along here. I've never had to preach at nine o'clock and I got 11 coming. I got to hurry. I got 15 minutes. You guys hang on 15 minutes, but I can't pass up the scripture. Jeremiah 17, five through eight. Listen to this. Listen to this contrast. Therefore says the Lord cursed is the man who trusts in man who is self-reliant, right? And makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert. And shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. If you want to not trust in God and trust in yourself, you're going to dwell in a wilderness and in a parched place and an uninhabited salt land. Do you like that? Do you want that? No. You know what I want? I want verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Look at the second half here. Whose trust is the Lord. Isn't that so good? I love that. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. I'm not just trusting in what God's going to do for me, what I think he's going to do for me. I am trusting in him. And I'm not worried about what he's going to do. Do you guys get that? That's so powerful of a, cha- of a switch there. We can trust in the Lord for what he might do. Because we know he'll take care of us. But, but it's a little deeper than that. My trust is in him and I'm not worried about what he's going to do and how he's going to provide. My trust is the Lord. And he will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain, remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Amen. Hey man, that's so powerful and so good. Our trust is the Lord and we will not cease to bear fruit. When drought comes, we'll not cease to bear fruit. Why? Because our, our trust is, is, is in an all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God who's not caught by surprise by anything that we experience or go through. And, and, and on top of that, in the middle of it, through it, in spite of it, he's working in our life to make us more like Christ, to deepen our dependence upon him. 
And he wants us to see him as, a, as, as our father. You know, in the book of John, it says that to all who believe in Jesus, who have faith in his name, he gives them the right to be called children of God. If you're here today and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're the only ones who have the right to say that you're a child of God. And if you have the right to say you're a child of God, you need to be reminded here today that God is your father. And he's a good, good father. Last thing I want us to say here this morning from Matthew 6, I want us to be reminded of is this, is that when we fear, it's easy to, for, to forget that God has given us a calling. When we fear, it's easy to forget God's in control. It's easy to forget that God is our source. And it's also easy to forget God's given us a calling. Look back at Matthew 6. It's powerful. But seek first toilet paper. <laughs> but seek first daily provisions. But seek first fill in the blank. What does it say there? My Bible says something different. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He'll give you the toilet paper. But seek his kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom. As believers, this calling is what sets us apart. We have been, we have been given a calling to seek God's kingdom first. So this means that in any circumstance we face in this temporary, temporary life we live, we must have a kingdom mindset. So this is what it means to have a kingdom mindset. We've got to ask ourselves questions. I believe that it's important to ask questions in your life. It's, so, it's a, such an important exercise. When you're struggling with fear, you're struggling with anxiety and worry, start asking questions. And ask questions based upon what you know is true in God's word. So here's some questions. When we're thinking about that it's easy to forget that as a body of believers, as a Christian living in this world today, that, that, that we have a calling here today to advance the gospel, we got to start asking some questions about what's going on. So here's what we would ask. What is God doing right now? What's he doing right now in America and in the world? What are you up to, God? Help me to see it. Help me to know. God, what are you doing? Because I know you're up to something in the middle of this. Someone with a kingdom mindset asks that question. God, what are you doing? Secondly, how will he get glory through this? God, how are you going to get glory? God, I want to see that. How are you going to get glory? And lastly, here's what you ask. What part can I play in advancing the gospel? And here's what I want to tell you as, as a church. We were born for this. This is why we exist. We're not just existing here today in 2020, in the middle of this crisis, this pandemic, just to survive. And this is why. This is why we're gathering. This is why I'm preaching to you here today. Because you need to be reminded, you needed to come here today to be reminded that we're not, we're not just in survival mode here today. We're in victory mode here today. We're in kingdom advancing gospel mode here today. That's why we're here. Yes, don't read into what I'm saying. Take care of your family. Stay safe if you're sick. Keep watching the live stream. I'm not saying any of that. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we're different than the rest of the world that are not believing in Jesus. We're aliens. We're strangers. We're from, a, from another planet. God is our king. 
He's our sovereign. We can't lose sight of this. We have a calling. The enemy wants to keep us distracted from what God has called us to as individuals and as a church. Now is not the time for a bunker mentality. Now is not the time for us to just bunker, hunker down, bunker down and say, we're just, just going to watch the world burn. No. What do you want me to do, God? That's what I've been thinking about that the last few days. God, what can we do when the dust settles to reach our community that have been, been impacted by, by this? I challenge you. Come tell me. You come up with, with an idea for us to reach out to this, to this community after this is going on or in the middle of it going on. We want to do that. We want to take the provision that God's given us as a church and we want to reach our community. We want to be ready, ready to reach out, ready to go, ready to spread the gospel. Because that's why we're here. Now is the time for, in the church for a city on a hill, light on its stand mindset. It is not time to bunker down, but rather it is time for the light of the gospel to shine in and through us. Amen? Amen. Now's the time. God has not abandoned us. He is in control. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He is our loving father who graciously gives us bread when we ask. And he is the Lord of his church who has called us to arise and shine, to demonstrate to the world around us that Jesus is alive. Do you believe it? And that his gift of salvation is free to all who will call on his name. So I want to end with this. You know it, Matthew 5. This is our call. Are you ready for your commissioning? Here it is, Matthew 5. As you leave here today, leave, with the, leave your burdens at the door. Leave your fear at the door. When you leave today, look up at the birds. Look at the flowers. Be reminded he's your source. But when you leave today, I'm leaving you commissioned. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world gone mad. <laughs> you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Amen. Amen. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. And what it reminds us. Thank you, God, for speaking to every area of our life. Thank you for speaking to, speaking to anxiety and worry in Matthew 6. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk out these truths. I pray that every one of us here today that have come under the influence of your word, that we would leave the same. That we would not leave the same. That we would leave changed. That we would leave worry and anxiety at the door. And I pray that you'd help us all to ask the right questions. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? How can I glorify your name? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen.